Artists on Lockdown, hanging and banging. I am Ron Onesti, your host tonight with my brothers Carmine and Vinny. We'll bring them up in a minute. This is episode 45. We've got Dweezil Zappa and Kofi Baker. It's a big legacy show for us tonight. Two incredible musicians with incredible stories to tell. Don't forget, you got to, you got to like, follow, subscribe, share on our Facebook pages, on our YouTube channel. Don't forget on our Spotify channel as well, on our Spotify pages uh, or our platform, our, our podcast. Uh, our podcast on Spotify, on Apple has been so successful. Thank you for the support. Tell everybody about Hanging and Banging, and uh, we're going to keep this going. I mean, I'm telling you, 45 weeks, it's been incredible. And with these two guys, it's been an honor for me to be hanging with them. So I'm going to bring this this first guy, <laughs> my brother, because he, he texted me. He said, I got something special for you. I think I know what it is because he's always busted my chops on my uh, my attire for the show. So this is going to be good, I think. He said, wait till you see this. You know him from Last in Line. You know him from Dio. You know him from Black Sabbath. Vinny Apice. Let's see what you got. To... <laughs> what are you doing? I, I was just looking at a picture of me, you, and Carmine I found on the internet. Oh, uh, is this the one with your pants off? Because we're not sharing that one. Oh, this is a good one. Look, check it out. Can you see it? Let's see. I think I could see it. Where's that from? Oh, Jesus. Okay. All right. Well, I'm afraid I'm curly, aren't I? Okay, I get it. No, no, you're Larry, the hair. So wait a second. Wait, let me see. Look what you got here. What's the the suit you got on? This was for you, Ron. I wore this. I said, I got to wear something different. I never wear white. (laughs) So I'm going to wear it for Ron because he started wearing a suit jacket. And now look at him wearing a mozzarella shirt. Mozzarella shirt. Oh, no, I like that shirt. That's a cool. It's really funny, cool? funny shirt. It's supposed to be Metallica. Yeah. It's an Italian Metallica shirt. Is basically what it is. I like it. I like it. Should be bigger too. That's nice. <laughs> I know. I'll work on. You still got to bust it, don't you? So let, hey, let's bring our. Wait, wait, wait. What hotel are you in? I am at the. Um, what do you call this thing? Uh, it's a little motel. No, that's a pretty good one. Uh, I'll tell you. I gotta. I gotta oh, find you, it over here. You don't want to say AC, the name. It's a cheapie. It's. The cheapy. No, no, it's 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 all right. Fine. I didn't want to say it's the Biltmore in Arizona. Okay. No, it's it's not. pretty high end. There, no, it is. Really? It is. I'll show you the freaking towels or something. I don't know. We'll see what look for with the B on them. Okay, I believe. I'm you. out. I believe. You. All right, B is in believe. Hey, let's bring our big brother because we got a big show tonight, man. A big legacy show. We got you two brothers. We got these two legacies coming on. Let's bring him. You know him from oh my gosh, Vanilla Fudge, Rod Stewart, Jeff Beck. Carmine a piece. There he is, Carmine. Well, and and I do something I never do also. I never wear t-shirts with writing on it. And I write I wore this for you, Ron. Well, you know what? I you guys are making me want to like cry. I, I'm getting like <laughs> choked up. 
I didn't think any, either of you cared. I'll be honest. But nobody <laughs> wears affliction shirts anymore. I told you that. It's okay. He's trying. Leave him alone. Hey, hey, leave hey, me alone. alone. Don't bust my balls. I like your shirt, though. Mozzarella. mozzarella. I like it. But did you make that or did you buy it This somewhere? is a legit shirt. This is a legit wow, look. A cool I know, shirt. I like it. Can you get some more? I, gotta, I, I, I thought it said Metallica when I first saw it. Well, it's supposed it. to. Oh, no, it's the Metallica logo. I, I know, it's Mozzarella. <laughs> Mozzarella. So, guys, tonight, this is our 45th show. And, uh, you know, wow. my, I was never that good in math, but I'm thinking seven more makes it a complete freaking year we're doing this. Yeah. We got to celebrate. Looking, what are we going to do? I was looking for the check, too. I couldn't find it. For 45 weeks. Uh, One of those 10 cents. Must be in the mail. In the mail. Oh, was that no, it? No, you couldn't mail it. You couldn't mail it. There's too, it wasn't enough money to mail it. No, it bounced. Sorry, we're gonna we'll work on on that. We got to renegotiate your contract. Okay. But I gotta say, Vinny, I I can't I, I can't believe what you're wearing. First of all, you having a white collared shirt. That's what you had to red. borrow it from somebody. No, actually, look how wrinkled it is. It's been in the closet. I just noticed that. It's, <laughs> you, this thing you went through all this trouble all big. and you even it's cool you liked it so much you slept in it last night that's really cool and there's some stain look it looks like some patch something was stuck on the inside probably a backstage pass at some point it's all sticky oh actually you know what i can't believe i can't believe we're talking like bad fashion right now and we've got two incredible guys waiting to come on this show. Right. This is a big one. This is a real big one. And they all are, you know. But this, the legacy, uh, these legacy performers, obviously, sons of giants. But it's an amazing thing, the amount of talent and, and what they've both done independently of, of their families for their careers. I mean, you know, if you see any of these guys, either of these guys on stage, you're like, wow. Not only does that acorn not fall far from the tree, but they are doing their own thing. And uh, I'll tell you, now you guys have worked with these guys before, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. not Dweezels. Both of them. He's yeah, worked with Dweezels. We did. I worked with Kofi. Yeah. Well, yeah, and we both And we both worked with Kofi at your place. At my place, that's right. What a great well, we did Drum yeah. Wars because his dad, Kofi's dad was going to be on that show and he got sick. Yeah. And you got you got Kofi. Yes, I was very, it, was, it was wonderful because Kofi's always been really a, a big a big part of our, our place over there. Every time he shows up, everyone loves him. So let's bring him. Kofi Baker, sons of Ginger Baker, and also the star of the music of Cream. Yeah, there he, there he is. is. <laughs> Look at that guy. Look at those glasses. <laughs> <laughs> nice glasses, dude. That was quite the smile there, Kofi. Look at you. I know. Oh, I got yeah. a big <laughs> smile. I'm old mouth. Look at him. <laughs> Well, good to see you, brother. Two How sec. you been uh, making it during this whole uh, lockdown thing? Oh, I haven't. I've been just so depressed and just drugs, just taking tons of drugs, <laughs> jacking up heroin every day, there you cocaine. Go. So it's just another day for you. Yeah. <laughs> All my syringes, I've run out of syringes, though. That's tough. Yeah, syringes there's a run on those things. <laughs> At least he's honest. Hey, He's honest. Yes, 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 yes. Hey, let's bring to the microphone also our other, our second guest for tonight. I mean, his dad, legendary Frank Zappa. But I tell you what, if you've ever, if you've never seen Dweezil in concert by himself, it's incredible. His command for the guitar. I stand backstage. I'm amazed. Let's bring him up, Dweezil Zappa. Thanks for being yeah. with us, brother. Thanks for Dweezil. having me. Hey, dude. hey, everybody. Yeah, man. Wow. I, I just love. You know why I love talking to you, Dweezil? Because you're pretty much the antithesis of that rock star kind of dude 
And, and you know, and all kidding aside, because you listen, listen to your, 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 your vocal acumen. Hey, everybody, how you doing? You know, you're not that, wah, like we start the show. <laughs> but you know what? All yeah. kidding aside, you know, we think about your dad. You think about his politics. You think, you, you, we think about how vocal he was. And you're just the opposite. Is that in response to because your dad was <laughs> like that? Or are you just not into it? Well, I certainly grew up seeing what my dad was interested in and the way that he was able to make social commentary. And he was absolutely fearless. Right. And he was yeah. telling people the truth, you know, from day one with all the things that he did. Uh, so I grew up obviously sharing that kind of perspective, but it's never been important to me to follow that uh, path in terms of expressing what my views are politically or socially or whatever, because I just don't care to do that. Um, I, I'd rather, if I have free time, I'd rather spend it with my wife and kids. You yeah, know? there you so. go. A, nice. a, 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 a level-headed, soft-spoken, family man rock and roll. Who are you? <laughs> uh, apparently, I'm uh, in, a, in a, a group of one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm also the, uh, when people say, uh, you know, would you like a drink or, or anything? I said, no, it's, it's fine. Because I, I, I don't drink. I've never taken any drugs. I've never been high. I've never done any of these things that people expect. But people are like, oh, you know, you, oh, you don't drink? How long you been sober? <laughs> 51 years? Yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, and that's the thing. I mean, it, it's an amazing thing because I've seen some of your other interviews. And a lot of people obviously talk a lot about your dad uh, because he's so <laughs> iconic. And, uh, but the fact that you, uh, you didn't uh, take part in so many things that he did, especially when it came to his body and his mind. I mean, that was really amazing. Well, he didn't do drugs or any of that stuff. I mean, he was telling people not to do mm -hmm. drugs, um, you know, for uh, pretty much all his career. But the thing about that is I used to see people at his shows acting really strange. Oh, and as yeah. a kid, <laughs> it was weird okay. and it was scary. So I remember vividly being around 10 years old and saying, hey, what's wrong with those people? And uh, my dad said, oh, those people have either had too much to drink or they've taken some drugs and they think it gives them an excuse to be an asshole. <laughs> so I, I just thought that made sense. It's like, well, I, you know, I, I don't want to have. Well, in those days, that's what yeah. they did. When yeah. your, your father uh, and mothers played gigs with Vanilla Fudge and, you know, that was like the, the psychedelic trip between both bands, you know, and the whole audience was stoned. You could smell the pot in the air yeah. and everything. And, uh, and those were the days in 67. I remember when you were born and he named you Dweezil. Yep. And we all said in Vanilla Fist, what kind of name is Dweezil? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, oh, I, I had those issues growing up where. Oh, man, where, I, I, where I bet. The, the best uh, one that really made it uh, make sense to me that my name was. Uh, a decent name was uh, there was a kid that came up to me in a shoe store who was a bit of a bully. I was probably like five or six or something a little bigger, you know, came over and uh, he said, what's your name? I said, Dweezel. He goes, that's a stupid name. I said, what's your name? He said, Buns. <laughs> so at that moment, I felt that my name was superior and I was okay with it. 
Oh you know my God. why you're superior, Dweezil? Because you had this crystal ball. So before the show, I'm like, okay, Dweezil, it's not going to be one of those shows that we say, hey, how did you get started in the business? Or where'd your name came from? Hey, Ron. Well, hey, Ron. Odds are it's going to come up. Hey, Ron. We have a surprise for Dweezil. We have Bun backstage. He's coming out. <laughs> oh, Bun E. Carlos Buns. is here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, nice. Fun. Anyway, uh, I, you know what? You win, Dweezil. You win. Well, you know, <laughs> these things happen. It yes. just shows up every, every so often. But uh, we were talking before the show, and, uh, and Kofi and I were talking because um, we, we were talking about the last time that we had uh, gotten together was at uh, the Baked Potato. Uh, he was playing right. with a band called Ohm, which was a very good band with Chris Paul and, uh, right. playing guitar yeah. and stuff. And, uh, and then uh, we got on to talking about some some fitness tips because Kofi's like uh, the the workout yeah, yeah, wizard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at that! Look at that! Look at the yeah. guns. I used I used to have that when I was young. <laughs> Not like that. Okay, Vinny. Drugs. Not like Steroids. that one. <laughs> you know. Hey, you you keep quiet, little brother. Little brother. Here we go. It starts. There Usually it's around six forty when this starts. Hey, when, when I was ten, I used to go see Carmine play with the Vanilla Fudge and see all these people high and uh, and acid, you know, psychedelic. Like Carmine said, I used to wonder what was wrong with them as well. Yeah, <laughs> like, what's wrong with these people? It was me. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> Kofi, yeah. uh, you know, as obviously, you know, the, the, your, your, the story of your kind of as somewhat of a strange relationship with your dad here, there. I mean, it's legendary. It's sad, a lot of it, unfortunately. But, but I also understand that, um, you know, you didn't see him very much in the last uh, few years of his life. But uh, I think it was just one or you only saw him two or three times. And one of those times was basically just as he was about to pass away. Was there, did you guys kind of do some mending or? Yeah, discussion? I got my one, one day relationship out of my dad. The last day, uh, six days before he died, he was actually, he listened to me. I could talk to him. He smiled. It was like, wow. So I actually sat there and talked to him. But that was, that was really wow. it. Most of the time it was, fuck off. <laughs> oh, really? Sorry, I'm say that. Um, yep, that's ginger. <laughs> um, I mean, he gave me my first joint when I was five, made me smoke a <laughs> joint when I was five, opposite of Dweezil. My dad was pushing drugs on me when I was a kid. Oh, no. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. I blew... Yeah. The joint, the end of the joint out, my dad smacked me. No. Gave me cocaine when I was 15. Come oh, on. Really? Whoa. Right before wow. gig, I got sick right before gig, and I, 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 Dan, I can't play the gig. I'm throwing up. And we go, yeah, you can. What's this? It's cocaine. Take it. Here's a big biro. I'm like, I don't know how to do cocaine. Look, stick this up your nose and do this. And I got like three quarters of the way through the line, and I was like, whoa, I'm good. I think I finished the gig and was home before they even started playing. <laughs> <laughs> but do you think, Kof, do you think that maybe, maybe that was kind of his way of being a dad? Maybe he didn't know how to be a dad. <laughs> I mean, it seems like dick. he was sincere. That, that was his way. A dick. I, don't, <coughs> I, mean, I got, I got a, a wild story about your dad. I got a wild story about your dad, too. <laughs> I bet. Which I one of you was dad? But, but, no, well, well, your dad was funny. <laughs> I did a clinic with Alan White, me, and your dad. And... Uh, it was in uh, the West Coast somewhere, and you, your dad showed up late, you know, from the airport, and he was well pissed off. And you know, when he gets pissed <laughs> off, forget it. You know, so so they brought him up to this hotel room, and, and the guy running the clinic, the store, 
He said, oh, man, he said to me and Alan, I don't know what to do about Ginger. He's really fucked up. He's like going crazy up there. He's freaking out. He's freaking me out. So Alan says, I'll, I'll, I'll go take care of him. So he goes up for a minute, comes back. He says to the guy, can you get a bag of weed? <laughs> right. <laughs> He I, says, okay, so I don't know. Well, let me find find out. So anyway, he got a bag of weed, went up, saw your dad. Next thing you know, he came down. We got ready for the clinic. Now, Alan went on first. He was doing all these time signatures. I went on next. I was doing time signatures. Your dad goes on, and he goes, he starts playing like a 6-8 uh, Afro thing, right? He does this whole thing. He stops, grabs the mic, and says, that was in four. <laughs> that was it. All right. Then he does another one. That was in four also. <laughs> he told he me about three that. segments. He told me about that. Yeah. He did. And, then, and then afterwards, we all went out to eat. But before we went out to eat, we went to your dad's room and we all smoked a joint with him. And he was just a beautiful human being the rest of the night. I, I hitchhiked awesome. all the way from England to Italy with a joint so that when I saw my dad... I wouldn't get, like, sworn at. You're right, Dweezil. It makes him give an excuse to be an asshole. Because my dad was an yeah, asshole yeah. the whole time. That, yeah. that actually is very sad. Yeah. So I, I'm sorry oh. that that was the case. Yeah. No, it, yeah. made, it made me not take drugs, though. It made me... I saw the drug thing. And um, Good. I've never taken heroin or any of that shit. You know, the, all the stuff that I was forced to take, apart from that. But I've never done it willingly because of... You know, seeing seeing what it does. Yeah. So it worked. Yeah. <coughs> That's great. But well, did you do some uh, uh, duets with him at some point, though? Yes, I did um, some duets until he left to Africa. We were, when I lived in Parker with him for a little bit. I mean, he wasn't an asshole all the time. Only when he was sober. <laughs> uh, I so, see. So yeah, he, he, you know, he was he was okay. I mean, it was just you know when he got married to that African woman in in South Africa, where wherever it was. That's yeah, when yeah. he stopped talking to me, and she she cuts all out the wheel and made us not. Wasn't well, that when they did the documentary? Right. Most yeah, of it yeah. took, took place down there, and he started slapping the, the director. Hit him with the Oh, that was you, you didn't see the worst of it. They they threw a rock at him. That big rock went into his car. They threw at his head. I mean, oh yeah, God. she she was a bad bad. She's still a bad person because my dad's drums. I wanted my dad's drums to put him in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I thought yeah. that's the place that they should go and she wouldn't give me his kit. Oh, wow. So, Where are the, where's the kit? In Africa? No, it's in England. In England. Vinny, let's yeah. make a phone call. I get, I'll get. make a phone call with this, uh, make, keep with the, the ghetto. Get yeah, up. there you go. Oh. <laughs> I'll get him for you. So, you know, uh, I've, I've really come to be a, a, a big fan of running with the dweezil i think it's just a a, a great a, a great uh uh look at uh, the music of eddie van halen and a couple a uh, couple things a <coughs> couple observations first of all i love how you call him edward it's such a it's just an element of respect that it seems that you have well you know a lot of times uh he he referred to himself as edward too uh so i, I think it really you know he had a comfort zone with either but i i really never called him eddie you know uh, it was ed or edward somebody's phone Come is on. sounding really good right now that's me Turn that Sorry. Off. yeah 
I did. I thought it was off. It's groovy. <laughs> uh, but uh, so for people who don't know, Running with the Dweezil is a podcast that I do that mm-hmm. is about Van Halen, and we do a a deep dive on every record. So while I'll have different guitar guests and. They'll come on, uh, and they'll they'll have their phone ringing, and um, <laughs> mute it. Just shut the damn thing off. Yeah, and and so, right. but what we do is we we go uh, record by record, song by song, and uh, we're able to extract a lot of detail about things that may or may not be well known to people uh, that pertain to the production of the records or the different musical elements and how everything all comes together. So um, to me, it's, it's almost like uh, Egyptology. It's like trying to find out like, how is this stuff made? When was it made? What was the reason that they made it? You know, and that goes beyond just Van Halen or Edward Van Halen, but into all the members of Van Halen. So it's been a, a fun thing, but the, the episode that I'm currently working on has taken me much, much longer than uh, normal because it's for the 1984 album, which was a pretty pivotal record of theirs. And so a lot of people that are listening to the podcast are annoyed with me right now because it's taking so long. But at the end of the day, you'll be happy that I spent extra time because I found a lot of really cool stuff. (laughs) Well, it's, it's, it's just, amazing uh, how you how you like even structure like you compare some of the structures. You, you'll take like like a saxophone structure and compare it to a or get a, some type of guitar structure compare it to like a saxophone bass or something. It, it's really interesting how you pick it apart. Yeah, we we try to also we know that some people that are listening to it are not necessarily musicians. They just are people that like music. Mm-hmm. So it's hard when you get a, a subject that's really technical to make it listenable for, for people. So that's something I try to balance as much as I can. Uh, but I do take a really deep dive on a lot of this stuff. And, and this episode that's coming up has a lot of cool things because um, Edward Van Halen, he, he said his initial influence was Eric Clapton, but I don't really hear his uh, Eric Clapton come through in most of his. Maybe yeah, I don't either. But, but he has the ability to completely mimic Eric Clapton if he wants to. Like he could play note for note solos. He loved Cream and and he could play Crossroads note for note. Uh, but if you actually really break down when he plays what is natural to him when he's playing freely as himself. His playing is actually much closer to Jeff Beck. And people, I agree. 100%. People, yeah, Absolutely. but it's funny because people never make that connection. So in this episode, I have a few very specific things where on the, the Jeff Beck group album, like uh, Ice Cream Cakes, is yeah. there's a perfect example of 1972, Jeff Beck's playing a bunch of stuff, phrasing-wise, tone-wise, that is very, very close to what Ed ended up doing in 1978. So I found like a couple of little segments where uh, Jeff plays something and I explain to people, here's Jeff playing a phrase in 1972 and here's Edward finishing the phrase in 1978. And I cut it together. So you hear where the, where these ideas come from. And it's, it's undeniable when you hear it that way, you go, wow, this is where some of this phrasing came from. This is where some of these ideas came from. And you, you can't 
not hear it that way once you hear this little I segment. always felt I always felt that way and I read articles and interviews with Eddie and he always claimed Eric yeah. Clapton and I said man he sounds more like Jeff Beck to me totally you know especially you know I, I worked with Jeff and I knew a lot of ins and outs of Jeff's playing and and to me he was he was like Jeff Beck I even got cassettes somewhere of him, of Van Halen playing Beck Bogan and the Peace songs wow. You know? Well, you know, I mean, obviously they love Cactus as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they really love Cactus. Who didn't? Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I was told by, by Alex that Parchment Farm was the uh, template for their Hot for Teacher as far as the groove. You know, that very fast shuffle. Yeah. You know, yeah. double bass drum shuffle. And uh, we were good friends. I, I remember one time, uh, probably early, maybe 2005, uh, we were putting Vanilla Fudge back together. You know, the tour, and, and I was on the phone with Ed, Edward, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and, Ed and he said, "Yeah, he said, yeah, Ed Wood, right?" He said, "Why are you doing Vanilla Fudge? Fuck that! Put Cactus back together." <laughs> right. You know, so but you know it's, that did happen, and that's why I was saying how, how you pulled it apart. You're almost like a musical chemist. That's great. Looking at the elements and putting them together. When when, it, when is this show on? Your, your well, podcast. it's on my. Um, my website, just dweezelzappa.com. Mm. And it's, I got to check uh, it out. Yeah, it's available there. It, we, it's actually a, um, a bundled package because you can, you can check it out different ways. You can either go episode by episode or we did something where you can hear the episodes that only pertain to the first six records. So we call that the early years. Yeah. And then you have the next group, which becomes the, the era with Sammy and Gary Sharon. And then Dave's back, you know. Yeah. Uh, so we have one version where you get just the, the right here, right now, which is the yeah. um, Sammy Hagar, Gary Sharon era. And then you have the 5150 package, which has all the episodes. But it, the whole thing is, is done in a way where it's all... Um, a purchasable product in bundles, or you can go episode by episode. Wow, that's, that's cool. awesome! It's it's really really something wow. to see. It really is. It's it's very interesting. Kofi, when you when you're playing up there and you got the music at cream, and I know you you you've committed to carrying on uh, your dad's legacy. Matter of fact, you kind of told him. I need to be that, committed for that. <laughs> <laughs> but you did tell him that you uh, you would keep his legacy going. But we all know that that Ginger probably never played the same the song the same way twice. Right. Um, well, that's what no. he used to tell me. You know, he'd be pissed off if he played the same way twice. So it yeah. was like, you know, that was the thing about him was he always played. It was always you know improvise improvisation. That's where it came from the jazz thing. Yeah. That's that whole era was all improvisation. Yeah. Improvisation. Yeah. Improvisation, yeah, right. Which, anyway, that's the way that. we play. I mean, that's that's what we play. Like today, when I play like that, still, and when we have to do a video, you know, I don't know what the hell I play. Me too. I can't you know? copy myself at all. Yeah. You see, my dad said bad things about everybody except for Zappa. I remember him when I was a kid. My mom had uh, the hot rats um, thing, and my dad thought it was great. So I mean, my dad pissed off everybody except for Zappa. And that's what I was well, saying. The, the funny part, though, was that Jack Bruce played on Apostrophe, um, apostrophe but then he went on to say not nice things about my dad, <laughs> which, <laughs> so go figure. Yeah, well, there you go. 
Well, my dad was into, you know, that kind of music. So I think that's what, you know, my mum didn't like it. My mum was like, I want to listen to ZZ Top. But (laughs) But what guides you, Kofi, when you're playing? I mean, since his was so so improvisational, so you you got a challenge of trying to be improvisational, yet emulating the music of Cream. Just a lot of drugs. (laughs) <laughs> you're lying you don't do drugs remember uh, well I have to tell people I do so that they think I'm you know Ginger Bakerish. you know gotcha. I have to pretend to be a drug live up to the legacy gotcha. I gotta live okay. up to legacy no I mean I just I mean I've done fusion my whole life I got into you know I was into Zappa when I was a kid that was what I was listening to I was listening to Apostrophe and Vinny and Bozio and those are the drummers I was like man that's what I want to do I wasn't listening to Cream I didn't want to listen to my dad's music I was I was into fusion, so um, I played fusion my whole life, which allowed me to get nowhere. Um, <laughs> you got you I to mean, Indiana. Yeah. I mean, I even went to the uh, Zildjian thing, and it was like Jason Bonham and Zach Starsky, the drummers of Famous Burger. What about me? And, and Anne-Marie from Zildjian said, you play fusion. What the hell? Play rock. So, yeah. you know, after the baked potato, the own, own band, I said, people always used to shout out, White Room, Sunshine of Your Love, and I was like... Yeah. I don't really play that stuff. And, and I, st- I went to the 2005 reunion in uh, mm-hmm. the uh, Madison Square Gardens. Yep, and I was like, you know, I was, I was there. Oh, you were. I was there. Okay. Yeah. And I was like, this is good shit. You know, I kind of like this. And when I, I st- say everybody was there. Yeah. Yeah. Roger Waters was there. Sting was there. Right. Uh, I, I even think, um, uh, not Prince, uh, Lenny, Lenny Kravitz, Lenny Kravitz was there. I was met there. all those guys back yeah, there. Yeah. yeah, they were all backstage. It was amazing. It was, yeah. So, I mean, that's what started me doing it. When I started playing it, I realized that I don't have to think about this because my dad taught me. I just play the way I play. And it, it was, you know, I was even listening to the stuff after I played it and go, my dad's stealing all my licks. And I was realizing, <laughs> okay, you know, I play it very much like my dad. So it was kind of a no-brainer that... You know, when my dad was dying, I was like, you know what? I just felt like, you know, he'd done so much and he was such an incredible player and he really changed drumming that I should just kind of keep his legacy alive as long as I can. Um, who's playing guitar? Well, right, it's Will Johns, who's um, Will Johns. Eric Clapton's and, nephew. That's Andy's, Andy Johns' right. son. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I know, I, know, I know Andy and his yeah. wife and everything, and I knew... I knew they had the kid. And yeah, he had a, he had a hard him. upbringing as well, that guy. A lot of yeah, drugs. And yeah. These parents that have drugs, I mean, it's <laughs> no, Andy was for their kids. And, Andy was going to do the Beck Bogan, the Peace Second album, and I walked into the studio the first day, and he was like this. Right. On the board. Yeah. I could see it. And we walked in, Andy, are you up? <laughs> Hello. And, oh, oh, Where am I? And he was out of it. Yeah, it's a but, shame, isn't it? But you know, man gets a killer drum sound. I worked sound. with him yeah. with uh, yeah, my band true. Axis. He was. I don't remember any stuff like that. He must have been on. No, he was. He was straightened out by them because I. By then, I had got him to work with the Rod Stewart band, and I brought him into the Rod Stewart band thing, and, and we got some great drum sounds, and uh, it was great. Yeah, he was you know, a really good engineer really good. and producer for yeah, one. Unbelievable, unbelievable, yeah. Hey guys, we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Welcome back to Hanging and Banging right here on Artists on Lockdown. <laughs> the genius. Well the genius. You talk about what a team. Baker. You talk about Zappa. 
But the apiece apathy genius cannot, it's, can't compare. You see, my cup was broken. There's no handle you're, on it. Well, we saw that. Yeah, we, uh, we noticed that's that. That's right. I, I get the broken cup. He gets the good cup. I get From the good a cup. distance, it looked like it was a Dio coffee mug. Oh, really? Let's call it that. Yeah, yeah, actually, it it's from that, South yeah. America. When I played down in South America by myself, they made all these nice things for me, and there was the cup. I went, oh, how cool. Thank you. Well, how did you lose the nice. handle, though? We got to ask. I think it fell in the kitchen. It made it all the way from South America in my suitcase, and then <laughs> it breaks in the kitchen, you know, drop it or whatever happened to it. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But you, know, you I bang think- it hard on the, on the table. Well, actually, now that I too. remember, I, the handle was broke after Carmine left my house one time. Uh huh. Oh, no. Always blame it on the big brother. Oh, Always. I don't know. <laughs> might might have been me. You know. I remember, um, Dweezil. It was about two weeks before your father passed away. I was on the phone with him, and uh, I was going out to do a clinic tour, and I was going to come up to the house and see him. You know, because he was sick and everything, and uh, we talked. I don't even know what we talked about. We chatted on the phone. And he said, "Okay, well, when you get back, come on, come on down. You know, come on to the house." I said, "Okay." And then he passed away while I was on that clinic tour. Yeah. I was so bummed out. Yeah, it was. I was really uh, bummed out. It was definitely not a good time. But at yeah. the same time, you know, uh, when somebody's got an illness, a long illness, uh, you know, there's some relief that uh, they don't yes. have to yeah. experience yeah. that anymore. And I remember there was a there was a moment where, um, you know, I was just hanging out with them, and it was uh, probably right when there was a, a pretty good decline in his health and yeah. he wasn't easily able to, you know, get up and walk around. Um, but I, I was tying my shoe and he said, I remember when I could do that. Uh-huh. And then I was like, that's uh-huh. fucked up. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, that's sad. Yeah. yeah it's like uh, my buddy Tim Bogut passed away a couple of months ago and he was, he was sick for two years, you know, stage four cancer. And, uh, you know, I got two messages on my phone, one from about a year ago when he was not too bad, and then one from about a week before he passed away. And you can really hear the difference in the voice quality, yeah. you know? I, I got a message from Ronnie when he called before he passed, probably a couple of months, and he was talking about rehearsing and getting back in shape, but you could hear it in his voice, like, Wow. What, what's happening, you know? And yeah. he's the singer. Especially a vocalist like yeah, that. Yeah, and then I hear this yeah, raspiness, yeah. and it's like, it was so sad to me. Like, oh, man. This well, is cigarettes well. are a bad thing. No, People he, that smoke cigarettes normally, like my dad, he had all the from emphysema from the cigarettes. Oh, but he never <laughs> not smoked Your dad always had a cigarette in his mouth. He, he died. Tim Bog- he, same with Tim Bogart. He died. Cigarette all the time. He died from the, the cigarettes, not from all the other drugs he did. Yeah, there, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, but yeah, I don't think there's yeah, like never, a picture with him without a cigarette. Did your did your dad smoke cigarettes? My what dad smoked, yeah, and uh, yeah. he he just even when he got ill, he was like, "Well, uh, I'm not quitting this at this point," you know. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, really. He was never really into like healthy things uh, as far as like healthy food or or going to the doctor or any of that kind of stuff, you know. So. Yeah. Uh, I've I've seen the example of what not to do, and I choose to do the other. Good. You know, yeah. yeah so, you know, right. Dweezil, when, You know, we were talking a little bit about uh, uh, running with the Dweezil and how it's this big Eddie Van Halen thing or Van Halen thing. 
Um, yeah. Is it because that, you know, I don't know if it's a little known fact or a lot of people know, but if it wasn't your first single, one of your, one of your first singles at 12 years old, Eddie Van Halen produced, and is that why you had such an affection, a special affection for him? Well, you know, the thing about Van Halen was um, I, when I first started playing guitar, I was 12, and I loved my dad's music, but I knew that it was really hard. I knew that it was just complicated. You could tell just by listening to it that something was going on. Yeah. Like you got to know stuff to play this music. So I watched him play guitar and I loved what I was hearing, but I thought to myself, you know, one day I'll, I'll be able to do that. But right now I need to focus on something that I can really, you know, that will really make sense to me. And at that time, the most popular music in the world, because we're talking about 1981, 1982, uh, was rock music and hard rock music. Uh, so Van Halen, uh, Ozzy Osbourne with Randy Rhodes, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff was what I was hearing a lot of and that made me want to play the guitar. So I had only been playing for about maybe seven or eight months and out of the blue, we get a phone call to the house from some guy purporting to be Edward Van Halen. <laughs> so at that time, there was no like MTV Cribs. There was no way Nothing. that you, you, you didn't know what people looked like or, or what they sounded like. You only knew the pictures from the records. Yep. And so we had no idea if this was really Edward Van Halen calling. But turns out that it was. And my dad talked to him and literally 15, 20 minutes later, he was at the house. Wow. So yeah. uh, as soon as he walked in, I, I was asking him to play Mean Street and Eruption and all these things. So I got to see up close how he played this stuff and it immediately made it so I knew exactly what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, you know, in, in that moment. That's awesome. You know, that is see, awesome. Seeing That's that great. stuff. So... But then I have no idea how the, you were asking about the first single that I mm -hmm. made. I have no idea how it ended up happening, but probably only a few months after that first time that he came over, uh, we were in my dad's studio and um, uh, my dad was saying, um, hey, uh, do you want to record a song or two? Do you have any songs? I'm like, yeah, what? me and my 12 year old friends, <laughs> we've got these, we've got these songs. And so, Somehow, Edward Van Halen and Don Landy, Don was the engineer and, uh, who also produced some Van Halen records yep. along with Edward. And uh, those two guys came in and they were the producers of the, the, me and my 12-year-old friends playing <laughs> two songs. One was called My Mother's <laughs> a Space Cadet and the other one was called Crunchy Water. And, and so we, we did these songs. And I, at that point, I was only playing guitar for nine months. And I remember Ed showed me all the ways that you had to work in the studio. And, and uh, he helped when I had to do the guitar solo, he would punch me in. And he would say, oh, you have to play along with what you played before right. so that when you punch in, it'll, yeah. it'll blend. And I, I had no idea how to do that. And so he had to show me. And it was like I got to learn all this really cool stuff uh, right then and there as uh, as a young kid lucky so bastard. over the yeah over the years <laughs> lucky, uh, lucky you know we bastard. stayed in touch uh but then it, it came down to like when my dad passed away he was the first person that called me so you know i stayed in touch with him over the years 
And I've always had a lot of respect for him and, and love his music and everything. So wow, that's so a really ask, that's yeah, cool. When when your dad passed away, I I, I remember I called your mom because I I didn't I wasn't that close with you yet. You know, I got to know you better when you played on my guitars record in 1996. How old how old were you then? How long were you playing then? Uh let's see. I was I was uh, twenty. I think or something like that. That, that yeah. Oh, no, yeah, mm -hmm. but twenty somewhere there. Terrible. Yeah, math. That passed in ninety two, right? Did that yeah. passed in ninety two. Yeah. Yeah. And then ninety six, you you did the Katazus, and I gotta yeah. say, you played your ass off on that. Oh, I appreciate it. I love that record. It's um, yeah, it's, it's got record. it's got a really good sound to it. Even now, the, yeah. the low end on that record is really cool the drums and bass yeah it's a tony really franklin cool. tony franklin's awesome yeah that's who, who's uh, that picture who's that it's hard to see it's uh me and my dad it's uh from uh, a picture that oh, was yeah. in a guitar oh, magazine oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, we're yeah. we're we're <laughs> pretending to play really complex um <laughs> alan holdsworth style chords nice great yeah. shot yeah. cool yeah great shot, great shot. I wish I, I, I wish I got to meet him. Your dad in a long time. Yeah. yeah, I remember your dad with the real long hair. Yeah, well, that was but that was know, under his in nose. His prime. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. the other thing, your dad got. Uh, we we had that whole mud shark thing go on, right? And, well, yeah, that's that's and, the whole. And then, and then I, I ran into your dad at the Chicago airport, and he said, "Hey, Carmen, how you doing?" I said, "I'm good." He goes. You guys look a little tired. I go, man, you, you wouldn't believe what happened last night. And I told him this story. Next thing I know, he puts it on the uh, Mother's Adventure live at the Fillmore, writes a song called yep. Mud Shot. <laughs> yep. and, and I had my girlfriend at the time, and, and, and you know, she didn't know anything we did on the road, you know. And, and she said, who was involved in that? I said, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I was in my room. And chicken. Uh, yeah. Chickened out. I think it was my brother Vinny's yeah. room. <laughs> I, that was me. No, well, but, but I remember him telling, and I called him. And I said, "Wow, I can't believe <laughs> what you did." You know that great. song. You know, yeah. and what it was, it, what was it? The Edgewater yeah. Inn. The Edgewater yeah. Inn. Yeah. And, and you could you could go fishing the from window. some yeah. of the rooms, right? From the from the rooms, and yeah. we were. It was Led Zeppelin and Vanilla Fudge, and Led Zeppelin was just. They were out like uh, six months now, but we took them on their first tour, and we were good friends. And I got John Bonham his uh, Ludwig endorsement and all that stuff, and and we were good buddies. And and you know, it was just one of those crazy, crazy days. We had a day off. We played the Seattle uh, Seattle Pop Festival with everybody: Hendrix and The Doors and Zeppelin, Vanilla Fudge, uh, everybody who was big in those days. And and we had a day off. You know, and we we were smoking joints in a room with Robert <laughs> See what it Plant does. And, uh, see, see, see what it does. You're right. And then, and then John Bottom was next door with his with his, with his wife and and uh, the tour managers, and they were fishing out the window, and they and they caught this mud shark. And next thing you know, there's a groupie banged on the door, and, and the rest it was, was crazy. History. And we, we all left the room. Was, we had to leave the room. The rest. <laughs> no, no, no. We we had to leave the room. It was so ridiculous. We don't have a beef thing, the, Kofi. <laughs> now, I know, the managers came down from the hotel, and we left. So me, Tim Bogan, and John Paul Jones went to my room, and we ordered some tea and crumpets. Crumpets. All right. Crumpets. Yeah. We had the crumpets. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and then we and then we were eating it, and then there's a knock on the door, and in this 
this chick comes again, and she's wearing John Paul's robe, you know, because I guess it was in his room initially. So, so he storms out, tells her to take his robe off. Next thing I know, the roadies came in, they did all this crazy stuff, and I said, oh my God, this is my room. <laughs> I said, what am I, where am I going to go sleep? So Tim said, I can sleep in my room, I have an extra bed. So I moved all my stuff to Tim's room that night, and... And then the next day, we were fried, you know. Next yeah, that's what you're just that. saying because your wife's mistaken. Yeah. <laughs> no, my, this, is, this story's in my it's book, in so book, everybody knows this but story. It's like, okay. um, yeah, I didn't do anything. I was there, and then I left. Yeah, I, I went to that other room. I had nothing to do no, with yeah, it. Yeah, but that was, that, my, that's the girlfriend from, like, yeah. before I got married. Yeah. It'd be all over <laughs> Facebook I was only, it was today, right? Yeah. Oh, my no goodness. No, it's going to be, it'll be on and all these shows are ending up now on Blabbermouth and all these other things. So this will probably be on there. Oh, for sure. Talking for sure. about the Mud Show. I want to ask you, uh, yeah. both you guys uh, some. I've asked this question before, but it's really interesting to me. Kofi, I'll start with you. Um, is there anything, uh, and obviously, you know, with your years estranged from your dad, this might be a challenging question, but uh, what is, if any, your most valued possession or memento from your dad or of your dad that you that you uh, that you have. I have a used syringe. <laughs> well, I know you don't have a drum kit. <laughs> oh, shit. It still has some hair in left in it, which I'm saving for when I'm really old. No. <laughs> um, I don't really have much from my dad. I've given it all away or sold it for because I broke. Um, I don't really have anything. I have a few drum things. I have a cymbal have that he gave sticks, me when I was 14. No, I mean, oh. really all I have is a set of hi-hats, which he gave me when I was 10, and a rise cymbal he gave, gave me when I was 14. And those are the things that I still use in my studio today. Um, and those are my kind of prized possessions from my dad. I do, nice. his Leedy snare drum, I had when I was a kid, and he took it back off me. And I wanted to get it back when he died, and that's you know the whole thing. His wife wouldn't give him oh, the drums; so it's upsetting. But yeah, that would be the terrible. thing because that drum he had from before I was born, um, and the rice symbol that he had in one of the first cream rice symbols he had was in my house. And when my mum died and my sister sold everything, she threw it in the trash. She didn't know it was worth anything. Oh man! Oh, oh. Yeah. wow! How about you, Dweezil? Uh Well. You know, I don't have that many things. I have a couple guitars. Uh, there's a whole uh, unpleasant story about how that stuff went down. So I, I, uh, I understand what you're talking about, Kofi. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I do have um, a lot more good memories of having had the opportunity to work with my dad and go in the studio with him or play with him live on stage and talk to him about music and find out a lot about how he did stuff. So it's more important to me to have those kind of memories than to have actual items. And even that my must, dad, that must be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even yeah. my dad, you know, uh, when, when he was ill and people were saying, how would you like to be remembered? He said, I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, like it, for me, yeah, for me, I uh, even though one would want to respect one's wishes, I felt like he did do so much in the world of music that I felt compelled to do uh, at least my own effort to present his music to an, uh, an audience that may have never had a chance right. to, to hear his music. 
or may need to have a, an introduction to it that comes in a different way where the music itself is really on display and it's not, you know, he had such a big personality and the way that he would present a lot of things sometimes could be too much for some people. But if the way that I chose to perform some of the music was to, to do it in a way where it's, it's all about the music speaking for itself. And, and we, we took a collection of his entire uh, catalog and, and put it together so that you could hear the, the depth and variety in the music. Cause with my dad's music, if you've heard what's on the radio, which is very few songs that have ever been on there. Yeah, it'd be, really, uh, really. It'd be a song like Yellow Snow or Cosmic Debris or something like that. So people think of him more as a novelty act, like Weird Al or something. You know, Now, Weird Al is an incredible musician, uh, but he's also known to have a sense of humor. And yeah. suddenly when you have a sense of humor, people don't take you seriously. Yeah. So yeah. that was the thing. I wanted to let people know more about my dad's music uh, in a broader way, which... Uh, it ended up taking the last 15 years of my life. <laughs> yeah. And the next 20, did, uh, probably. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I know like my kids, you know, one's a special effects uh, makeup artist and the other one's a, is a medical. So I really don't talk much music to them, you know. Even though when they were little, they went to all the, all the shows. Yeah. I have a question. Did, when you play Zap, uh, does Zappa, did you do much shock? We played parts of it. We didn't do the whole thing um, because, uh, Funny. you know, there's there's a lot of that stuff with the Flo and Eddie stuff where um, a lot of it's improvised things or folklore things that get inserted, you know, uh, like the mud shark. Um, but uh, the so so what we that, that was got to. Think about that, that line good. you just said. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I it went over the head. It took a second. You think about it. <laughs> it took <Yeah>. a second. <laughs> so, in, you know, in, in some of the cases, what I tried to do with my dad's music was I, I did, at least for the first maybe six or eight years of doing the project, I removed the the comedy stuff for the most part i focused on the the more serious and difficult music because i felt like that's the stuff that if you really want to get to know what my dad did you should be exposed to that and uh, so the humor part of it came back into the music after i felt like we had explored a lot of the the other stuff um but ultimately you know, I, I love all the music, uh, but there's stuff that I, I prefer over other things. And I prefer to focus the time and energy into playing some of that, the more complicated things that really represent the, the genius of his. Yeah, that's what I was into. Style. That's why I, I didn't listen to lyrics at all when I was listening to it. I was yeah. listening to it for the musicianship. I was into, yeah. you know. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, yeah. Me too. Well, Kofi, when you talk about musicianship, like with your dad, some things that he did, I don't even, I, I, you guys obviously could uh, could talk, Carmine, you could talk uh, 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 to this point, but for example, on Sunshine of Your Love, where he was doing like that that uh, backwards beat thing, is that something? Well, yeah, so that that's unique. At the time, that was unique. It was on the one and three instead of, and the beginning of uh, White Room was in five, four. Which my you dad know, doesn't and, get uh, any credit for at all. Right, I'm sure. Right. Well, that's because 
Everybody thought he was in four. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is four. There's plus one. Yeah, right? White room extra. stuff is yeah. so cool. It's four that plus one. Yeah, white room yeah, was well, my great. Dad, I mean, people don't realize that so my dad was very schooled. He could write out treble, bass, clef. He could write out all the yeah. parts of other instruments. Um, he knew all time. When he when he actually taught me, he was teaching me polyrhythms, you know, two against three, three against four. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, then he started yeah. getting into, like I said, you're never going to need, you know, you're never going to need five against four. You know, don't bother. But I was like, really? I want to learn it. Um, so he was very schooled. And people don't, they think he was just a drug addict, you know, nutcase. But, you know, he was. But aside from also, that. Aside from that, he was very schooled. And that's what he taught me. He taught me to read music when I was 14. <coughs> I, had to, yeah. I had to learn. I had to be able to sight read music, which was coming really handy for session work when I was doing session work. So he really made sure that I knew. I wasn't allowed to play a kit until I mastered all my rudiments. And not just right-handed, left-handed, and then displacement. You know, wow. when you're in 16th notes, you've got four places to put something, you know. When you're in triplets, you've got three places to put something. So displacing all your stuff, which was really, like, amazing, you know. Um, when I actually got a lesson for him, when I had to irrigate an olive farm to get a lesson or something, I always have to work for a lesson. I had to do something. Um, <laughs> well, at least you didn't have to pay for it. Well, <laughs> well, for I paid for it. Don't <laughs> worry. Paid I paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you some stories. I paid for it. Um, yeah. But it was, I, I followed my dad around the world trying to be with him, you know, um, yeah. and trying to get what I could get out of him. And all drummers, like Vinny. When I was on the road with uh, Vinny uh, doing the, that three guitar tour, yeah. I was watching his chops. I was secretly going, hmm, I like that exit. I like that one. I'm thinking that. <laughs> Which Vinny? This yeah, Vinny or Vinny Kelly? <laughs> yeah. Vinny the Godfather. So, right. The Godfather. The Godfather. No, I'm the, God, I'm the Godfather. You're the Godfather's brother. You'll never be more than Fredo. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, hey, listen. One, one thing. Fredo, thank you. Um, who's playing bass? It was a guy called Sean McNabb, who oh, was I, know, I met from... I know, know Sean. Oh, we know Sean. I met him at that fancy yeah. camp right. that we did. Yeah, um, yeah. And he's I was, a good player. Yeah, I was like, you know, we played together, and I thought he was great, and I thought, you know, let's give him a shot. That's where so, I met you know. Ginger at the Rock Fantasy Camp. Right, okay. Is that the only time you yeah. met him, Vinny? Yeah. They all go, hey, oh. Ginger wants to see you in the room. He wants to say hi. Uh-oh. I'm like, Ginger <laughs> wants to say hi to me. Really? And they go, oh, yeah. yeah. David Fishoff's bringing me. So change it. I go in there, he goes, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Vinny. I'm, I'm Carmine's brother. Uh, yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, who's Carmine? Yeah, right. <laughs> Carmine owes Please me don't. money. I, I tell you what, I remember when we played the Vanilla Fudge and the Cream gigs, right? when I, I had my big, my big uh, huge bass drums, 26 bass drums in a the big bon, the Bonzo kit that like, I got for Bonzo. And when I was doing my solo, I, I looked to the right, and there was your dad. There was a curtain, and he was like this. <laughs> you know? He was actually looking at me, wow. you know, watching me do my solo. Oh, that's cool. And, you know, but he never said anything. Well, of course not. He never said anything. <laughs> no, I know? mean, I was... But we became friends. We became friends, you know, I've, I've seen him... A lot of different things. Ludwig used to have these stable of stars things, and uh, we we would go and everybody who was playing Ludwig would go and and Ginger was there. Oh, actually, maybe that's where I met him for the first time. Yeah. You probably met him. I was just thinking of that. You probably yeah, met him there. That's a long you know? time ago. Well, my dad. You did I was in Colorado with my dad, and it was a newspaper thing. He got the newspaper, 
And it was like the three greatest drummers from the 60s, you know, John Bonham, uh, Keith Moon and Ginger Baker. And I remember my dad just fucking throwing a fit and jumped, throwing the paper down and stamping on it and jumping up and down on his big boots and everything. <laughs> and walking out, I'm going, what's going on? He goes, there is only one fucking drummer, me. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like him. Yeah, it sounds like uh, it. Louisa, what the, uh, uh, this is a, a shot somewhere. I mean, Mickey Rooney, what's it got to do with you? Anything? Uh, not that I'm okay, aware of. He owes, I, he owes you money or something? I'm yeah, he owes you up. money. <laughs> hey, Twi- that was Twizzle. a rumor that Mickey Rooney played bass on a song. I got a question. Something. Oh, well, right, go ahead. I, I, have, I have erroneously credited many people on things, uh, and I put different names on guitar picks. Like, I, I've had over the years, just random weird names uh, that you wouldn't expect to see on guitar picks like Gary Coleman or uh, or Jan Michael Vincent or, you know, stuff like that. Uh, So maybe uh, maybe I I credited Mickey Rooney on bass on something. I think I did. Okay, there you go. I saw that. I'm like, what was that? Leave it to Ron. Ron's the inspector. I felt like an idiot because I'm thinking thinking there's got to be some rock dude named Mickey Rooney that I don't know. You know, I got to hand it to Ron. Ron's a a theater owner, but he's become quite the host. Oh, yeah. I mean, he does all this research. I didn't know about half the stuff he's talking about <laughs> half the time. He does he his homework, it, you know, right? It's, yeah. Well, that's oh, good. Yeah. But it's funny because I, I, I think I did that on my album Confessions of a Deprived Youth. Yes. Which, which was then, uh, the subtitle was Confessions of a Deep Fried Youth. <laughs> um, but it was, but I, I think I did erroneously credit several people on that record. And Mickey Rooney was one of them, just so you know, for the, yes. for the next that's, time. That's pretty good. And we, I, I, did he play and good? We talk yeah, about maybe. our favorite. We talk about some of our favorite albums, and and I gotta say, yours is is made my personal list, Weasel. Uh, Warts and all is a big thing for me. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, you know, one of the tracks on there uh, came from our show at the Ar- uh, Arcata Theater. The uh, really? Uh, yeah, we we played um, uh, one of my dad's hardest songs, which is called. Um, uh, ship arriving too late to save a drowning witch, and that song has two guitar solos in it, which are in totally different time uh, signatures and different uh, modes. But the first solo that happened in that on that night, something was happening in my guitar rig where um, there was there was like a digital clocking issue with one pedal. So what that meant was if I would play something, there would be this jittery sound that would come out as a delayed repeat. And so while it's happening, I'm going, something's wrong here. What, you know, I'm, and I'm, I'm <laughs> playing and I'm listening and I, I would play stuff and then I would hear it come back all messed up like a robot version. And I ended up just staying with that sound. I didn't change the sound because I thought, well, let me see what happens if I keep playing. And so the first solo in that has all these weird things that happen that could never happen again because it was just something was out of sync. Uh, but then it ends up being a, a really that, fun. Maybe uh, it was the no. ghost, the ghost of your dad in no, there. No, it's very the, possible. It's the yeah. electric at the Akata Theater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that that record is uh, is 
uh, it's got a bunch of things that are from live shows and it's warts and all because it's like these are really good performances because they feel good and they have all this energy but they may have some things that are a little rough around the edges here or there and I just think sometimes those yeah. those end up being more interesting yeah. than the perfect that's right. performance. That's, right. and that's a great way of putting it interesting because if you are yeah. into interesting there's people into pop or then there's certain things you know really structured stuff but if you're into into interesting approaches to music that album specifically is really some, i mean interesting is the best word i could use well there's just a lot of things going on with it because it's not uh it's a it's a collection of songs that i keep adding to uh because being that it's a digital delivery you know it could have a hundred songs on it and still be called an album you know it's like a playlist it's sure. however you want to call it but uh but yeah there's that the intention is to find things from tour and i've got 14 years worth of uh you know we we did 80 to 100 shows a year for 14 years yeah, wow. straight before covid <laughs> shut it down wow. wow we loved it when you come by hey, us Weasel, is zappa really the real last name yes really it's sicilian uh and uh and it's funny because we got to go to the the little town uh, up in the hills, uh, you know, in uh, in Sicily, where my dad's family originally emigrated wow. from, and there was this little street called Via Zamata, which they later, uh, in the last most recent years, renamed to uh, Via Frank Zappa. <laughs> uh, but it was funny to go there because it was like a tiny, tiny little place where you could tie up your donkey and it was like the size of a garage and that's the house that they wow. they lived in. It was all like, Were there any other Zappas there now? Uh, I think there are, uh, but that's the kind of town where you walk in, if you're a stranger, all the blinds close and then somebody <laughs> somebody peeks through, like, you know, what's going and on And then here? a guy looking like Vinny walks yeah. out. Exactly. Our name in Italian, yeah. in Italy, it, it means people at the top of the mountain. Well, Zappa apparently, uh, in the translation, uh, ends up being garden hoe. Like, you know, it's, <laughs> know. it's something to work with the earth, like a farmer. Oh. You know? What about Frank? So, <laughs> well, that, yeah, that one is, I think, a little more difficult to translate. But here's the weirdest thing. My name, which is completely made up, yeah. when, when it's translated... A certain way, like in Japanese, things can get like really esoteric translations, but it's uh, my made up name in Japanese. So I've been told by someone who's very good at these kinds of things, says that one of the translations is like the equivalent of the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. It's like from the father, you know, but it's like this like ridiculous made up name. And then, and your dad named your sister a wild name. Yeah, Moon Unit. Everybody thought that was strange too. <laughs> yeah, well, that was. I mean, <laughs> no, how's that strange? Yeah, yeah. We, uh, we all know. We, have, we all uh, know people <laughs> named. No, that's not strange. Yeah, I got a lot of Moon Units. So we have yeah. a couple questions <laughs> from our audience here. First of all, we we like to entertain at the end of the show a couple of questions from the audience. But uh, Dweezil, this is more of a. Uh, I don't know if it's a question. It's more of a. Uh, an observation or some knowledge that you are actually a Chicago Cubs fan? I love the Cubs. Yeah. I was psyched when they won the World Series. You know, before I started playing 
guitar. I was really into baseball, and I actually, at 12 years old, had pitched a no-hitter in, uh, in Little League. And uh, so, uh, but at home, we used to get all the WGN uh, daytime games. Really? Um, so I would watch. And the funny part was like, uh, I, randomly, like one of my favorite players to watch, and he ended up being like the disgraced player of all time, was Bill Buckner. Oh, that's such a sad story. <laughs> I know. Number 22. Oh. I, I had the number 22 on a lot of things. Oh, wow. Yeah. See, I'm a Ron wow. Sano fan to the death. I mean, number 10. But, uh, but Wrigley Field, I mean, it's the best you know, ballpark to me. Uh, I love that you could hit the ball out of the stadium and like onto the, the roof of another building. Yeah, or into the fire department across the street. Carmine yeah. and I have no idea what you guys are talking about. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but, me too. but the people who matter <laughs> do. I, 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 I was never into sports. My son got me into basketball. And I was watching the Lakers, going to see the Lakers. A friend of ours made the uniforms. And we, we used to go, you know, like really good seats and all. And then the same guy that made the uniforms, he made the uniforms for the Dodgers. He said, hey, you want to go see the Dodgers? Sure. So me and my son went to see the Dodgers. And about the sixth inning, after we ate everything we could eat, my son looks at me and said, man, this is boring. I said, yeah, it's like watching grass grow compared to basketball. Basketball. Uh, and we left. Yeah. And that was the last time I, I went to they a basketball. They don't get it, uh, Weasel. Baseball. They don't get it. Well, you know, after the whole first giant major league strike, I think everybody kind of said, well, yeah. screw baseball. Well, that's a whole yeah. other thing. Wait a second. You're getting political well, hang on now. It's called, rounders. Like <laughs> it's called rounders in England, and it's rounders. a girls game. Oh, ah. nice. <laughs> All right, listen. That sounds like Vinny. That sounds like Vinny and drumsticks. <laughs> Vinny, tell coffee about your drumsticks. Yeah, I play with the butt end, you know. You saw that when I well, played. Well, you're kind of a butt guy, aren't you? A butt guy. <laughs> well, the other side's for girls. Oh, oh, God. Uh, yeah, I play with the butt end, too. See, my stick even has a tip He's on a the double butt, butt oh, yeah. guy. <laughs> double butt. Yeah. He likes big butt. You're going to play with the butt end, you need, a, you, need, you need a tip on the end to get some balance. What, you know? what size drumsticks do you use? Isn't that the question for IQ? Oh, I'm, I got an IQ of three. Oh, what size drumsticks do you yeah. use? <laughs> <laughs> I know. How many do you use? Yeah. Um, all, right. all right, last question, guys. I need an answer from both of you. It might be a little deep for the end of the show, but um, Kofi, some weird thing happens and uh, you're able to ask your dad or say something to your dad, ask your dad a question. He comes back for like 30 seconds. What are you going to tell, tell him? What are you going to ask him? Why did you pour gasoline on me when you had a cigarette in your mouth? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Why do we oh think you're not God. joking? I'm not joking. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God! I guess that's he's probably not joking. I know he's not. <laughs> well, it's a long story, but he threw me in the back in Italy. Uh, no lights in the back of an Army Two World War truck. Let he run out of gas. Get the jerry can. He got me on hot knives before that, or or glasses where you put hash on a glass and you smoke them. So we've got. I'm like 14 yeah, yeah, years yeah. old, fucking as high as you could possibly be looking in the back of a pitchback truck for gasoline cans. Anyway, when I finally pull it out, he's shouting at me for taking so long. He's got a cigarette in his mouth. He goes, hold this piece of paper made into a cone. And he's stoned out of his head, pouring gasoline all over me and all over the place. And I'm like, oh, man. this is not good. 
Oh. <laughs> well, I think the show ends right there. I don't know. <laughs> I'm praying, Diesel. You got you got like a little. I would say. Yeah, how can you, how can you, cop, you can't top that one? <laughs> yeah. Give me something, Diesel. I, I don't have a gasoline story like that. Um, but uh, oh my god! Uh, I mean, I don't know. Well, I'll tell you a story about. Um, uh, uh, I mean, some people have probably heard this story before, but this is just a, a kind of a funny thing. My dad was really one of those people where he could, right in the moment, say the thing that you wished you would have said if you had two weeks to think about it as the <laughs> most amazing re- response to whatever your ailment was at that time. So there was a, a talk show host in the 60s who was uh, – he was not the friendliest host and he was pretty, um, pretty much of an antagonist. And, but he had been known to have, um, some kind of a, an injury, maybe a war injury. And he had a prosthetic leg. This is the, the story that I've heard. Uh, his name was Joe Pine. And oh. so, so my dad was asked to be on the show and he was about 26 at the time, Freak Out had just come out. I'm, I'm pretty sure this is exactly right around that time. But so the guy says to my dad, so with your long hair, Mr. Zappa, I guess that makes you a lady. Wow. And my dad immediately, without even thinking about it, said, well, with your wooden leg, I guess that makes you a table. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I could, you know what? I could leave it on that note. <laughs> Oh, that was good. Weasel Zappa, Kofi Baker, thank you so much for joining us this week. Yeah, man, thank Thank you guys. Good to see you again. It was a real honor. We got to tell everybody out there to please smash that like button, follow us, subscribe us, share our Facebook page, our YouTube uh, channel, and don't forget to check out our podcast, which is just blowing up on Apple and Spotify and iHeartRadio. We're just all over the place. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us at Artists on Lockdown. Each week on Thursday night, we have the biggest names in rock and roll telling all the stories while we are hanging and banging with other legends such as uh, Carmine and Vinny, my brothers. So thank you guys all so much. We'll see you next week. We've got uh, Weird Al is going to be here. It's unbelievable. And, of course, Rick Derringer. Thank you for joining us. We're hanging and banging. We'll see you next week on Artists on Lockdown. <laughs>